Hi, Josh Sorrell here from Sandhill FWB Church in Sandusky, Ohio. The podcast that you're about to enjoy was given live before our congregation here at Sandhill, and we pray that this podcast will encourage and challenge your walk with Christ. For more sermons like this, as well as additional Christian content, visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or check out our social media pages on YouTube and Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. Those of you that have been participating in the uh, uh, Bible reading, we've been reading 2 Peter. Well, that's where we're going to start tonight, 2 Peter uh, chapter 3 and verse 18. If you, if you could stand and let's just honor the Word of God, but the very last verse of, the, of 2 Peter <clears throat> Verse 18, but grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. But grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Interesting to me uh, that the man writing this was Peter, who fell down a couple times. How many of you know that? Who was immature somewhat, who had to do a lot of learning. But we've been reading through First Peter and through Second Peter, and after we see this man who has matured and grown greatly, he comes to the very end of all of his writing, and he says this. He said, grow. This is a growing process. We continue to grow in, in the grace of knowledge. And then if we would, so we get there, the, the clear premise that as Christians we are to be growing, we are to be gaining knowledge and grace as we go. And then as we look at the fifth chapter of Hebrews, and there are many other places we could uh, go, but this is, uh, I think, a good uh, framework to work out of. We learn that Peter says we are to be growing, but, but whoever the writer of Hebrews is, he said that doesn't always happen like it's supposed to, right? Uh, Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12, For when the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of meat, milk, and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of a full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Let us have a word of prayer. <clears throat> Lord, I'm so very thankful for, the, for Lord, the year that you have blessed us with at Sandhill Church. Lord, all that you are doing, Lord, how we recognize it is not us. Lord, it is not the people. It is not the leadership. Uh, Lord, it is our God. And how I thank you for that. And how I thank you that we can look, uh, Lord, back over the year and we can see how you have done so very much for us. Uh, Lord, how we can look to the coming year of, of, of hopes and dreams of, of you doing great things in the year to come. And so, Lord, I, I desire, Lord, that we would take this little time and understand, God, what you are doing. Understand our own personal lives. 
And God, uh, be prepared to go into the next year uh, exactly the way you'd have us to, I pray. Lord, help me to not get in the way this morning. Help us to all, Lord, set every distraction aside. And Lord, focus on what you have for us, I pray this morning in Jesus' name. And amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> so Peter lays out the groundwork clearly. Can we all agree that a Christian is supposed to be growing? Right? That, that's just clear. It, he's talking about growing in grace, and he's talking about growing in knowledge. So you should know more about the Lord than you did last year. Amen? You should have gained knowledge. You should also be acting better than you did last year because you grew in grace. So you're growing in grace, you're growing in knowledge. That's a command. That's what Peter said. Uh, the, the great apostle Peter commanded us to do that. But then the writer of Hebrews said, some of you need to catch up. <laughs> Is that fair? Some of you need to catch up. You, he said, the time you should be here, you're back here. And you need to catch up some. And so again this morning, I don't, I don't want this to be a scolding message. I want this to be a, a helpful message. But clearly we see in Scripture, we are to be growing, uh, but sometimes we don't grow as fast as we're supposed to. So we watched, a, we watched a movie out here, and I don't know what everyone thought about it. Maybe some of you didn't understand it. Maybe you didn't like it. We watched a movie about Pilgrim's Progress. There's a book about that you can read, uh, but there was a movie that we watched. The whole idea behind that was uh, there was a man who struggled uh, with salvation, and he got saved. And once he got saved, after he got saved, he went through a lot of things before he got to heaven. Is there anybody here that got saved and has went through a lot of things before you got to heaven? And sometimes in that, in that movie it portrayed, sometimes uh, he didn't understand what he was going through. Anybody here ever went through some things you just didn't understand what you was going through? And you struggled with it. But as he went through, he continued to follow the Lord and praise God at the end of the movie. Who'd he see? He saw Jesus, right? So that, that gives us the, the, that implies that we're on a journey. Uh, and I, I stole this, I suppose, uh, um, from Samaritan's Purse. But uh, I just thought it was kind of fitting after we spent the whole week up there packing shoeboxes. When they give those little kids those shoeboxes full of, of uh, the toys and all the things that we get for that, they also present them with a gospel presentation, and they call it the greatest journey. Now, I'm sure that's not exactly what we're uh, going to be giving you this morning so far as what they do, but I just robbed his name because I like that. The great journey. How many of you will agree with me this morning that we're on the greatest journey that's possible? This is the greatest journey. Listen, with all the bad days, with all the problems, with all the confusion, with everything that happens, this is the greatest journey we're on. Amen? So we want to talk about the greatest journey, but the idea of journey, it implies that you start one place and you go to another. Now, how many of you ever started, a, how many of you ever went on a journey and stayed in the same place as you started? You know, like the, like the old joke, uh, you, you watch the Indy 500, Brother Charles, they get in a car, they go 200 mile an hour, and they get out in the same place they started. <laughs> they drive 500 miles, they didn't go anywhere. Well, that's not the Christian life. We're not supposed to, we're not supposed to start and stop at the same place. We're journeying. And that's what this is about. That's what we're going to talk about this morning is making this journey uh, uh, along the way. <clears throat> now, we, we start when we get saved and we end when we get to heaven. 
And we're going to try and show you this morning how those, those things are supposed to work together. It is a sad commentary that we have to say this, but there are some Christians who get saved, and I can't argue that they didn't genuinely get saved, but they just never grow in grace and knowledge. Is that true? There, there are some people who get saved, saved for 30 years, 40 years, come to the end of their journey, they haven't hardly moved from where today they got saved, and they enter into heaven. Anybody want to sign up for that course? Right? That's not where we want to be. We're not supposed to be sitting still. We're supposed to be moving. There are other Christians uh, who, who is much better. There are other Christians who get saved, and it takes them a long time, but they finally do get moving. There are Christians who are saved for 20, 30, 40 years, and then it finally is like a light, fl light switch flips, and they finally start moving. Well, praise God, better late than never. Amen? Better late. And I think that if we're real honest, we look around Santa Church, I think that, that probably uh, describes a lot of us here who maybe have spent many, many years not really going anywhere, but now, praise God, we're moving. It's better to catch up late than to not catch up at all. Amen? So, so there's some who haven't grown at all. There's some who are a little slow getting started. But how great would it be to be that one who on the day you got saved, that's the day you started growing. Amen? That's the day you started growing. And, and we, need to, we need to have that type of a church where people start growing from the day that they get saved. <clears throat> now, I, I want, again, I don't want this to be, I don't, I don't want this to come across as a... Uh, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings more. I'm not here to, to scold you. I just want this to be eye-opening, okay? But I, but I want everyone to hear the statement I'm going to say. I want, you to, I want everybody to pay attention. I want you to hear this. I have learned almost everybody, and probably everybody here, including the pastor, tends to think you're a little bit more mature than what you really are. Okay? We, we talk about mature. Oh, yeah, go get them, preachers. They need that. I'm right where I need to be. Uh, no, let's don't do that. We all tend to think we're a little bit farther ahead than what we really are, right? So I'm not here trying to come down on you. I'm here trying to get us to open our eyes. So, so we had a phenomenal 2021. I think we actually had a pretty good 2020 considering everything we went through. But we had a phenomenal 2021. But how many of you would like to look back at the end of 2022 and say, wow, we blew 2021 away? Right? What we did in 2022, it was, it was so much better than what we did in 2021. We can do that, uh, but we're going to have to grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen? So that's what we're going to try to do this morning. We want you to do that. So it will do you no good to sit here and think, man, she really needs to hear that. Man, I'm glad he's on that because he really needs to move up to that. No, no, no. Or, I uh, know I've seen them do that before. They need this. No, no, no. You. You. Look in the mirror, you. Don't think about somebody else, think about you, okay? You guys agree with me on that? <clears throat> All right, so <clears throat> I, would like to, uh, I would like to talk about two lines of our journey. These aren't, this isn't going to be so much a point-by-point -point message as just a trying to, again, just talk and kind of survey where we're at and where we're going. But I'd like for you to understand, and every Christian here this morning, if you are a born-again Christian, everybody here, you have two lines in your life. You have the day you got saved, however many years it has been until then, and now we're talking about uh, chronologically, and then we have the line in your life of the day you got saved and how much you have matured since then. How many of you know those aren't always the same thing? 
See, I could go around, we go around, to, and I know there's a lot of people here who've been saved for a long time. We go around this morning, we could go around to all of you guys, and we say, when did you get saved? Back in the 70s, back in the 60s, back in the 80s. You know, I was been saved 30, 40, 50 years. Praise God. That's your one line. But here's the problem. God's not really counting seniority. Okay? 40 years of not going anywhere doesn't get you credit. Okay? <laughs> I've been saved for 50 years. I have thought this before, but it's probably not very spiritual, probably kind of carnal on me, but I have been in church service before and someone would stand up and say, I've been saved for 50 years. And I think, I'd be really ashamed to say that if I was you because you do not act like a 50-year-old Christian. You act like you've been saved for six months. So our, our years of salvation are are not always the same as our years of maturity. Now, I know this is an old illustration. Everybody knows it. I'll just make it real quickly. But have you ever seen, have you ever seen a 30-year-old that act like a 12-year-old? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Some of you are fast to answer that. <laughs> have you ever seen a 50-year-old that's still acting like a little kid? I'm not talking about they have fun. I'm talking about they've never grown up. They've never accepted responsibilities. They won't work. They're not responsible. They're, they've never matured. And listen, we have no problem. We have, there's no one in this church who's going to go around and say, Kari, you need, to, you need to grow up. You're acting like a little baby. No one's going to do that. But if Amy starts acting like Kari, we're going to say, Amy, come on now. It's, it's time you don't act like that anymore. Are you guys getting that? Is it not the same in our spiritual lives? If you've been saved for if you've been saved for six months, we understand you're not supposed to be where some of the rest of us are. But God help you if you've been saved for forty years and you haven't matured, yeah, you need to get on track. Are you guys with me? So we have two lines. We have the line of the years that we really don't get any credit for, and then we have the lines of our maturity. And I would like to offer you this morning that those two things ought to be running together. As the years go by, the maturity should be growing. Okay. And if you got a late start, you just got to work harder to keep that line together. So if those lines are growing together, we will have a, a what we desire to have. And I just want to stop right here, right here before I go on to the next thing. This was it. That's why I wanted to preach this message, because I feel like we have a whole bunch of people here who now your maturity is growing with your years. Is that exciting to anybody? In other words, we may have had a time when we had, we, we, we could go back 10 years ago at Sand Hill Church and we could say, we got a whole bunch of people here who's been saved for 40 years. How many mature we have? Not very many. Now we can say we have a whole bunch of people been saved a long time, and wow, look, there's a whole bunch of mature people here. And that's exciting for me, and that, that's exciting for the church that we have come to that place where those two lines are moving together. <clears throat> now, uh, there are two types of congregations. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this, but I would like to point it out um, there are two types of congregations. There are the congregations, we've all seen them, where the years and the maturity do not match. Now, if you have a church full of people who have been saved for 30, 40, 50 years, and they have none of them have matured, what do you have? You have a problem. Can I, can I let you in a little secret? Just let you guys in a little secret. You do not want to be the pastor of that church. Because everybody there thinks that they are spiritual and everybody thinks they know what to do. And I've been here 40 years and you're not going to tell me what to do. But they're still babies in Christ. 
And that is difficult. And if I could just as nicely as I can say this, that is what a lot of churches are. There are an abundance of churches now that we could point to who they have a lot of people who have been in that church for years, who have been saved for years, but there's no maturing going on. And those are the people who say, we've always done it this way, we will not change, and if you do, we will get rid of you. How many of you know those churches like that? Real quickly, let me tell you a story about church I know. This, I know this firsthand. I'm familiar with the church. I'm familiar with the people. I'm familiar with the, the whole situation. I'm, be, I'm a, a f- familiar with business behind us. But I literally know of a church where they, this particular church is what I'm talking about. And they had, they had a congregation full of people who had been there a long time. And pastor after pastor after pastor after pastor had went there. They would go. They'd be excited. We got a new pastor. After two years, they'd get rid of him, run him out of the church over and over and over and over. They could could not keep a pastor the people would the people knew better than what god knew and they wouldn't give in they finally put a pastor in and he knew the history he knew that every preacher who would ever come in had just been booted out they wouldn't let him stay and this is what that preacher actually said i'm not going to tell him anything to do i'm not going to change anything i'm going to be the pastor and let them do it the way they want to do it How many of you think that's a good church? See, he was afraid because he knew if I preach the word of God, I'll be out of here. So I'm going to give them what they want so they will keep me around. By the way, they didn't keep him around. (laughs) But anyways, my point being, that's not a good church. That's not a good church. If seniority does not get you anywhere, maturity gets you somewhere. And that's what we're talking about this morning. So we don't want a church where, where we have people who have been there a long time, but they have no maturity. We want a congregation where the people are maturing at the same rate as they are growing old. Now, we have people in this church who have been saved just a very short time. We have people who have been saved just for a year or two. We have people who have been saved, you know, for five or ten years. We've got some people who have been saved for 40 and 50 years. Can I say your years of, of salvation should be lining up with your years of maturity? You guys agree with me? They ought to, they ought to be lining up. And, and when we have that, so I said that you do not want to be the pastor of the church where they have a lot of years, but they have no maturity. But can I just tell you, just stop right here for a tiny little commercial break. You do want to be the church, the pastor of the church, where their maturity is growing at the same rate as their years is. Because it's a lot of fun to be the pastor of that church. When people come out desiring the word of God, when people come out growing, when people, Brother Terry said it, what did he say about Josh? It's, it's sometimes it doesn't taste very good the things he's saying, but we still do it. It's not always because it's fun. It's because we're growing in the Lord and you can't grow until someone points out what you're doing wrong. Right? And when they do, if that, that congregation will say, it doesn't taste very good, but I'm going to move up. I'm going to move up. That, that is a fun church to pastor. So that we have the two types of churches. We have years of maturity don't match, and we have years of maturity that, uh, where they grow together. They're moving along the line uh, of years of being saved along with <clears throat> their maturity level, <clears throat> level. So real quickly, how do we structure the church to become like the second church where... Uh, type two, where the years of maturity grow together. Because what we're doing this morning, what we're kind of trying to do is lay out that we have a lot to be thankful for. 
and, and trying to lay out where we're at as a congregation, lay out where we're at as a church, lay out why we're where we are. We've made some changes. We've done some things different. Our church is not what it used to be. We, we've since COVID, we have put in some major uh, changes and, and emphasis around here. But how do you get from that church who there are people been there forever that don't grow up to the church where everyone is growing and maturing in the Lord? How do you get from the church that no one wants to pastor to the church that anyone would give anything to be able to pastor? Are you guys with me this morning? Are you, are you guys following me? So how do we set the church up to get this type of a congregation? I believe we need to plainly, uh, to, to uh, pl plain and clear Bible teaching. Let me see, I say it right so you guys right now. Plain and clear Bible teaching. Well, that's what we've been trying to do around here. Just about any time you'll come to church, whether you come Sunday school, come Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, whenever you come, whatever we do, you're probably more than likely going to hear some clear Bible preaching. Not, not just tradition, not what we've always done, not what Grandma says, not what we've always believed, but thus saith the Word of God. And, and, and if we will proclaim the Word of God and you will take the Word of God and move up to it, we will be maturing as we go. We will be growing in grace and growing in knowledge. Knowledge is your understanding of what God wants. Grace is you're putting it into practice, right? And sometimes I know around here it seems like we almost learn uh, our head gets it a little bit before our heart does. But as your head gets it and you have that knowledge, now your heart catches up and you start living what you know. And that's called maturity. And that's what, we, that's what we're having at Sand Hill. And that's what is so exciting. So we got the plain, clear Bible teaching. <clears throat> but we also desperately need, and I say need not as in uh, the, that we don't have any, but how important is it not only to have Bible preaching and teaching, but how important is it to have some examples? You know, the Bible has a lot to say about examples. There, there's, a, there's so much to say about examples. And here, here's the thing. If you come to a church and they're preaching the Bible and teaching the Bible, but you don't see any examples to follow, you have a real hard time growing. You need examples to follow. So we need men. We've been having the men's, uh, the men's uh, breakfast. You guys have been really good to come to that. We've been trying to learn how to become men. Listen, we don't talk about women things. I've told those guys up here, listen, we're not here to put down the women what they do wrong. We're here to talk about the men what they need to do right. And I've told them that there are young men who are looking to us to be an example, and there are little boys looking to be what a man is. We need people who will show this is what a godly man acts like. Amen? We need people to come into this church, visitors to come into the church, and they can find out what does a godly man look like, act like, uh, what is it all about, and find an example to follow. <clears throat> If the leadership and the men and those that are in the church are not setting examples, how many of you know what will happen to the rest of the congregation? They'll follow the bad examples. It, 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 it's, it's the sad truth. And, and I, I'm going to talk about the women here just in a second, but I just say this here, I, I really, because I believe it's biblical. Guys, listen, we, you guys have been coming to the men's breakfast, and I appreciate that. We, I think we have some great men in this church. But can I just say this here? If we want to be biblical, we don't get to blame the women because this church isn't what it's supposed to be. And whose fault it is? It's your guys's, right? Listen, we, the men are supposed to be setting the examples. The men are supposed to be stable. The men are supposed to be strong, setting the example for the home. 
Listen, if you get up on, I don't think this applies to anybody here. I hope this doesn't apply to anybody here. But if this does apply to you, shame on you. If you get up on Sunday morning and your wife tells you it's time to go to church, shame on you. You ought to be saying, we're going to church today. This is my family and we're going to church. So it lies on the men to be the leaders in the church. But along with that, we need women who are examples. Don't we need some women that are examples? The women now, they've got this, the doc thing that they're doing, which is the same thing as basically what men are doing, uh, getting together and learning about the Bible. The, the sisters are doing a podcast talking about women issues and all that thing. But here's what I've told the women. Here's what, I, here's what I've told Renee and Christy, the women that are, that are running it. There are things they can say I could never say to you. Right? There, 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 I want to be your pastor, uh, but I can't be a woman. I, I can never understand how to tell you woman things, but they can. But can, here's the thing. Somebody needs to. Somebody needs to. Someone needs to be that woman who is an example of a wife, of a mother, of a grandma, of those things that a woman is supposed to be and sets the examples for others to follow. Titus chapter 2 is all about that. Men and women being examples for others to follow. If you don't have that, so if you don't have godly men, really the whole church kind of crumbles, but if you don't have godly women, when people come into this church, the women, listen, if you come into a church and the men are just close to God and the women are not, guess what the women coming into this church are going to do? They're going to fall down. So anybody follow? Listen, you can't follow me to learn how to be a good wife. Hey, don't do that, okay? <laughs> you can't follow me to be how I'll be a good mom. Okay, that's not, how, that's not how this works. But God set this thing up that we need godly men and godly women to be examples for others to follow. And I think we're getting that in Sand Hill, and that is making a difference in those coming up. We have, we have young people that are, that are in their 20s and 30s that are trying to learn how to be mature adults. We have kids that are coming up that are going to be uh, 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 married and, and, and parents. We need to be those examples. And, and guys, if, we don't, if we're not an example, we'll never have a mature church. And, and for you preachers that are here, we have to live what we preach. Amen? See, I learned that a long, long time ago. Um, and, I, and I don't claim to be perfect, and I don't know none of the preachers here claim to be perfect, but I just know this. You have no authority in the pulpit if your life is not godly outside the pulpit. Because people won't follow. <laughs> they won't listen, right? So you get up there and you just lay it down what the Word of God says, but then they see your family life. Then they see your, your church life. Then they see your life outside. They see you hit your thumb with a hammer, right? And they see what happens. If you're not being that godly man, they won't follow. They won't follow. So we have to have examples uh, in the church if we want to mature and move along. We're still talking about how do we structure the church to become type two, um, where the maturity is growing at the same rate as your Christian. And these last two, let me just hit real quick, quickly. Uh, but it, but the, the, the third one is we encourage type two. So we're going to encourage you. If you are here and you've not been saved very long and you're maturing, we're going to encourage you. If you're growing in how you act and how you know the Bible, we're going to encourage you. We're going to help you. We're going to promote that. If you are here, no matter how what your age or how long you've been saved or anything else, if you are growing in the grace and knowledge we're going to promote that. We are thankful for that. I have told everyone you here, I'm so proud to say, it's a little awkward for me because some of you have known since I was a little child and some of you, uh, you know, we've grown up going to have things, but, but it is a little, little, little bit awkward to say, I am proud of you, but I am proud of you.
because you're growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the fourth thing, we're going to discourage type one people. If you, and, and, and again, I don't think this is really an issue at Sand Hill Church, but if you are, if you are, you say, man, I've been a Christian for 50 years, ain't no one going to tell me how to live, we're going to discourage that, okay? Now, have you ever been to a church, and we don't do that here, we don't do that here at all, but have you ever been to a church where they've got this grouchy old man, he's been there for 70 years, he's never learned anything about the Bible, he's not close to God, he's not living a holy life, and they're going to lift him up and say, this man started this church and we want to lift him up and honor him. We're not going to do that. We're not going to honor you. If you've been saved a long time and you're not living right, you're, you're not going to get honored. You're going to get discouraged. Now, if you start learning the Bible, we'll lift you up. But if you're not learning the Bible, if anybody follow me, so I don't know if I'm making sense to anybody, but that's what the problem with a lot of churches are. There are a lot of, a lot of churches where they exalt those who have been there a long time. Whether they're a good Christian or not, they could be a terrible Christian, but they lift them up. That's not what we're going to do around here. We're going to lift up those who love Jesus. If you love Jesus, we love you. If you don't love Jesus, but you love yourself, we don't care for you so much. Okay? Is that too harsh? So, so this is all about getting close to Jesus and growing. So that's how you structure the church. And if you see that, you're teaching the Bible clearly. You have good examples. You're discouraging bad Christianity, but you're encouraging good Christianity. You have a structure, and I think hopefully that's what we have here, where we, we have the type of church we're supposed to have. <clears throat> so we said that most of us think we're more mature than we really are. I don't know how to get this point across. I don't know how to, to drive it home. Maybe whenever you get done with it, whatever you think your score was, maybe you just subtract about 10 or 20 from it. <laughs> That'd be a little right. Because we tend to give ourselves a little more credit than what we really have. We tend to think we're a little more mature than what we really are, uh, starting with the pastor. Uh, but, but we need to take a real look because we're, we're talking here about how to have a better 2022 than we had 2021. And I, I'll just say as a pastor, I think we had a phenomenal 2021. I mean, I think the things we did, the things we were blessed with, how the congregation grew, the things we learned in the Lord, how we matured, all that we, listen, I'm not even talking about how many shoeboxes we packed or how big the camp was. I'm talking about how we grew closer to God. That's phenomenal. But I want 2022 to be a whole lot better. I want it to be a whole lot better. And, and so we're trying to understand how to make that happen. So how do you know if you're mature? I know we've talked about this many times. I've preached on this many times. I really desire to have just some real clear, easy to recognize signs. And I prayed about it, and, and I, I hope these are really crystal clear. They, they may be slightly blunt, and they may be slightly hurtful, uh, but I, I really, truly desire that they would just be clear. Because the worst thing I can do right now is to give you five things that a, a mature Christian do, and you all go out here and say, man, that's me. That's me. Right? That's not, that's not the goal here. The goal is look in the mirror, see where you can do better, and let's have a better 2022 than we had 2021. So let's get started. Signs of maturity. Just a real honest look in the mirror. Uh, you, can, you can check mark these. You can mentally hold these, whatever you want to do. But we're going to give you a few things here that will let you know how mature you are. The first one, it takes a lot to knock you down. It takes a lot to knock you down. <clears throat> now, there's nobody here in this church or in any church for that matter. There's no one here that you can't knock down. Right? I could name you several things right now that would knock me to my knees that I, that I wouldn't be able to get back up. 
So everybody gets knocked down. And, and there is no such thing as, I'm so strong, nothing can knock me down. Can I tell you that nobody's that strong? Everybody gets knocked down. So here is the question. It's not a question of, do you get knocked down? It's what does it take to knock you down? Because your maturity has a lot to do with that. Listen, your years of being saved has nothing to do with that. If you've been, married, if you've been uh, saved for 40 years, been saved for 50 years, has nothing to do with how much. Because I've seen 50 people been saved 50 years that the wind blew and it knocked them down, right? <laughs> There's a little, little commercial. COVID come, knocked them down to quit going to church. I'm not talking about you have a legitimate reason. I'm talking about you're just so easy to knock down. I know there are people who have legitimate health concerns, and that's not what I'm preaching about. I'm just talking about, I think there's been a lot of revealing of who was easy to knock down. But there's a lot of other things that happen in church. <clears throat> let, me, let, me, let, me, let me say this just real honestly. If you're a little older like me, how many of you know that there's just going to be days you don't feel good? You know what? Get over it. I get up days I can't hardly move. Get over it. What I'm saying is, if I say, oh, I got it so bad, I don't know if I'm going to live, I'm probably dying. No. Sometimes you don't feel good. Is that a news flash to anybody? Is that, is that news? Some days, I go to work some days, I feel great. I go to work some days, I feel dead. Okay? But I go to work both days. Is anybody with me? <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, there are people who... Things that shouldn't knock them down, knock them down. And when I say knock you down, I'm talking about getting discouraged. There are some people who come to church and they're very discouraged. You know, there are things that happen in church. We, we've said this, I've said this over and over and over again, but, but things are going to happen in church. People are going to hurt your feelings. People are going to offend you. People are going to do things they shouldn't do. People are going to disappoint you. The pastor's going to let you down, yada, yada, yada. It's all going to, it's going to happen, Right? There are some of you, if someone hurts you in the church, it's like a, it's like a punch in the face. <clears throat> it hurts, but you keep on going. There are others of you, if someone hurts you in your church, you might as well just lay down on the pew. You're done, right? Everybody here knows it. You, it's, it's, you got a big sign up. I am hurt. Leave me alone, right? That's not maturity. That's immaturity. And, and what, I'm just, what I'm trying to show you is, so we want a great 2022. We need a whole church full of people, everybody here, to be those people that you can't knock down. Remember that, I don't know if they still have this, Rachel, I don't know if they still have this, but when I was a little boy, I think the boys had one of these. But remember that, remember that thing that was a big, was a big uh, it was heavy at the bottom and it was a big uh, blowed up air thing, and no matter how much you punch that thing, it would pop right back up? Pow, pop back, back up. That's how we need to be, right? You punch that thing and it jumps right back at you. I mean, doesn't even hesitate. So what does it take? I want you to be honest. I want every person here, I want you to be honest. What does it take to discourage you? I'm waiting. What does it take? We're all here this morning. Church is great. Things doing good. Can I just let you in on a fact? We're going into a new year. We're going to have some bad times happen. We're going to get aggravated. We're going to get hurt. We're going to get mad. We're going to have... We're going to lo probably lose people. We're going to have sickness. We're going to have death. We're going to have all kinds of things that are going to happen. What does it take to knock you down? But is there anyone here that says, I want it to take more to knock me down next year than it took to knock me down last year? See, it's grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Savior Christ. There, there are some of you here that I have the utmost confidence in. It would take a 
uh, a level five hurricane to knock you down. And there are others of you that it would take a 15 mile an hour wind blow you right over. <laughs> right? I desire we have a whole bunch of those hurricane kind of people around here instead of the, the wind blowing kind of people. So we need, we need those that, that don't get knocked down real easy. Second thing, uh, it is hard to offend you. Now, offended and knocked down is not the same thing. Being knocked down is you got discouraged. You, you don't know if you can go on. You're so consumed about, you know, whatever that you're just discouraged. Offended is different. Now, you guys know I've preached on this so many times, you guys are tired of hearing it, but we need to get over being offended. Look up here. Everybody gets offended about something. Get over it. Look up here. Everybody gets offended. Get over it. Right? Listen. If you take some of those little kids back around the back row and you offend them, uh, they, they, they may stay stubbed up. And what do we say? That's not the way we act. That's not the way we do. I hate to have to start doing that to some of you guys, but that's not the way we act. That's not the way we do. You got your feelings hurt? Get your head back up, worship God, and let's go on. If you got your feelings hurt, just wait. We'll do it again next week when you come back. We're going to hurt your feelings. What I'm saying is mature Christians don't get their feelings hurt and piled around. Mature Christians say, that stung like crazy. I'm going on for Jesus. Is, am I all alone? Is anybody, anybody going to help me up here? Well, Steve, thank you, brother. <laughs> I got one man with me, all right? Come on. Now I'm get my feelings hurt. Now, l- let me just be real here for a second. Some of you have been here for a long time. Some of you know me since I was a little kid. Some of you know me ever since I've been a pastor. It's embarrassing for me to say this, but it is true. Even after I started preaching, even after I was pastoring a church, there have been times in my ministry someone would criticize, didn't like the message I preached, didn't like something I did, put me down over this, criticize me for that, whatever. And guess what your pastor would do? He'd pout. Got his feelings hurt? It hurts when someone says, that message was bad. That what you did in the church, you are wrong. The devil loves you. You're a good worker for the devil. That hurts. But can I tell you, look right here. I can't pastor this church and be that way. If you want to criticize me, put me down, say what I'm doing is wrong, uh, make fun of me, whatever you want to do. If I can't hold my head up and worship God and lead this church as a leader, I should not be the pastor. And, and, and back to my defense, and, 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 even, and I don't, I'm not throwing any stones at any of our preachers. Here now, but if you're just starting out and you're doing that, we need to have a little bit of patience with you. But if you've been doing this for a long time, you need to grow up. And, and if I, as your pastor today, can't take a little criticism without it hurting my feelings and pouting around, I should not be your pastor. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? Come on, amen? Do you want a pastor who pouts around and gets their feelings hurt? Okay, let's turn it around. Do you want members who get their feelings hurt and pout around? So what are you? What are you? So we don't get knocked down easy. We don't get offended easy. Now, some of these next ones are really hard. You, say, you think, man, I'm past those two were really hard. Well, those were the easy ones. Now we're going to do the hard ones. And I'm, I'll probably be misunderstood, but I, I still think these are very accurate. As you mature... 
Are you ready for this? This is going to hurt a lot of people's feelings. See, if you think you didn't get offended, I'm going to show you that you get offended right here. All of the comments shouldn't be about you. (laughs) You know, if everything that happens is all about you, you haven't grown up yet. Now, if we pull all those, if we pull all those uh, Rachel's kids up here and Josh's kids up here and Javi and, and Peyton, and we pull all them here, guess what they want to talk about? And they don't care about anything else except for themselves. Is that appropriate? Right. Now, what if it's you? And what I mean by that is everybody here has problems. There's nothing wrong with sharing your problems. Nothing wrong with that at all. I think we ought to share. I think we ought to share problems more than what we do. But are people, they never entertain anyone else's problems. They only entertain their problems. <laughs> I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help you. But there are people, that's all they think about is their, their problems, their health, their finances, their church, their, well, someone hurt their feelings, someone did something. That's all they think about. But you know, there are other people in this church, and I could I can name, name both groups. You say, Pastor, which group do I? Well, no. Don't come in my office and say, which one am I? Because then I'm going to either lie to you or I'm going to hurt your feelings really bad. But there are people in this church who they never talk about themselves. Can I give a newsflash to you guys? They still have bad days. They still get hurt. They still get sick. They still feel bad. I think everybody knows how Brother Tom is. Um, And this kind of irritates me. He's always talking about somebody else. Christy has to tell me what's going on because I don't have a clue what's wrong with Tom, right? And she's like, he's got this wrong. Well, he never, and then I go ask Tom, I'm like, oh, I'm fine. There's nothing wrong. Now, I'm not saying everybody should be like that. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that everybody can be like it. What my point is, there are some people, but, but here's one thing I do know about Brother Tom. If you talk to him 99.9% of the time, you know what he's thinking about? How he can help somebody else. His mind's always on that. This needs help. This needs fixed. This needs done. How can I help them? What can we do for them? His mind's always, this, is, this will change your world. Everybody look up here. This will change your world. If you'd start thinking about other people, your problems wouldn't be so big. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. trying to help you. The people in this church who are outward focused are happy people. The people in this church who are inward focused are miserable people. And it's plain to see which one you are. So don't think about yourself so much. Think about other people. <laughs> is anybody with me? <laughs> I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help you. There, we need to be thinking about other people. Now, you might not believe this, and I'm, God help me, I'm not trying to be holier than thou. I'm, God knows my heart I'm not trying to. God help me. I, I, I'm not. I'm trying to prove a point. But I fell off the roof, shattered my leg, laid on almost a year and didn't walk, didn't know if I was ever going to walk again, didn't work, all those things. And I'm being honest with you. I'm not being, I'm not being holier than thou. But I didn't pray for me hardly at all. I never even thought to. You guys were praying for me, I guess, but I didn't even think about praying for me. It was very seldom ever crossed my mind. You know what I was praying for? I was praying for you guys. I was praying for you. I wasn't thinking, oh, my leg, my, I don't care about Steve's problems. I don't care about Josh. I don't care about Terry. I've got a problem. Please pray for me. I've got a problem. No, I wasn't even thinking about me. I was thinking about you guys. And you know what? It was better that way. Because if I'd have been thinking about me, I'd have been miserable. But I wouldn't think about me. I was thinking about you. Am I making sense whatsoever to anybody here? 
If your feelings are hurt right now and you're mad at me, I love you and I'm trying to help you. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the next thing we need to do, <clears throat> and this again will not be understood, but I believe it is biblical. We need to pray less about this world. This will confuse a lot of people. Before I have someone confront me after church, let me say this here. Does the Bible say we're allowed to ask for healing? Shake your head, yes. Does the Bible say we're allowed to ask for help, our daily bread? Yes. Is that our priority? No. And some Christians, all they ever think about is, how can I get my bills paid? How can I get my health back? How can I get my family taken care of? How can I get this? How can I get that? Listen to our prayer requests. We, we really shortened it down to church. I have shortened it down because I think we're wasting way too much time. But we could spend 45 minutes talking about everybody's problems. But how often do you say, hear him say, Brother Richard, give him credit. He is one of the best ones in this church for saying, let's pray for the spiritual part of this church. Now, you say, oh, pastor, you're saying don't request prayer for my dying loved one. I didn't say that. Don't go out here saying I didn't say that. I'm just saying what really matters around here? This is one of those things you know you shouldn't say, and you're going to say it anyway. If we pray for people that are sick, they're still going to die. But heaven and hell will last forever. If I come down with some bad sickness and you guys pray me out of it, I appreciate that. But if you don't pray me out of it, I'm going to heaven. Right? But if you do pray me out of it, Lazarus was dead. Jesus raised him from the dead. Jesus raised him from the dead. Guess what Lazarus did? He died. <laughs> right? Listen, we have not yet figured out how to fix that problem. Okay? I'm being a little bit facetious, but do you guys understand how we're so consumed with this world? We almost never think about the other world. There, there are a multitude of people that are dying and going to hell, and all we can think about is, I need, I need fixed. I need help. I need healed. And I'm just trying to show you that's a sign of immaturity. It's a sign of immaturity. Maturity says, let's talk about the Lord and let him fix everything else. And again, some of you are going to take that wrong. Some of you are going to confront me and say, I thought we were allowed to ask for, for blessings. I didn't say that. I'm saying what's right. So let's do this real quick because I'm, I'm sure they're confused at this point. <clears throat> let's do this. <clears throat> you pray for, from, from last Sunday to this Sunday, you prayed a total of an hour. Okay, I, I hope you prayed 10 hours, but just, just, just for illustration, you pray for an hour. Honestly, everybody here, honestly, how much of that hour was taken up with your problems, with physical problems, with worldly problems, with this world, and how much of it was spiritual? I prayed 55 minutes for all the sick people and all the, my family and all my needs and everything else, and, and then when I got done, I said, Lord, save all the lost people, Amen. Do you see how that's getting our priorities out of whack? What if we spent 55 minutes praying for all the people going to hell, and then those last five minutes we said, let's play. You know, we, let's see, all the requests that were given in this morning, we, we had a lot of, and again, I'm not, I'm not condemning praying for sick. Don't get me wrong. But all the ones that was brought in here, we could pray for those in five minutes. That gives you 55 minutes to pray for the lost souls. And I'm just simply saying, you know, the, the future of the church, the, the, the holiness of the church, the, 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 all the things that really matter, how much time do you think about that or is your focus completely here on this world? And I'm sure that's not being understood very well, but I really believe it's a sign of maturity when we can get our eyes off of this world 
I thank the Lord that this church is doing much better. But there were some Christians who nearly quit their Christianity because of what happened in the White House. Now, let me say, I'll be first in line to say I disagree. But God's still on the throne. We still have souls to be saved. And this country right now is, 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 is going downhill like a freight train. But guess what? God's still on the throne. God's still on the throne. We're still having church. We're going to have church no matter what they do, right? They're, they're, we're we're, we're going to do this. We're, we're going to serve Jesus. So what I'm saying is we can get so wrapped up in, you say, well, I, I am justified in that. It, it's wrong what they're doing. I understand it's wrong what they're doing. I'm saying this world is temporary. The other world is forever. Let's get our eyes on what really matters. Is anybody with me? Some of you look a little, uh, you're either confused or mad right now. All right, let's go on. <clears throat> We don't have much trouble with this anymore, but I believe it's worth saying we need to stand for the Bible and not tradition. See, tradition is what we've always done. The Bible is what God says. You don't want a pastor who promotes tradition. You want a pastor who promotes what God says. Amen? We don't want members who get stubbed up if we do what we've never done. We want members who get stubbed up if you go against the Word of God. Listen, if I and I have challenged this since I've been a pastor. If I ever do something that is against the Word of God, I ought to have 10 of you in line take me back in the office and let me have four. You ought to be pulling the deacon aside. We will not have that in our pulpit. That is not the Bible. But if I break your tradition, I haven't sinned. I've just broke your tradition. Now, some traditions don't hurt anything. Some traditions are, are fine. But there are things that we will, we will handcuff the gospel so we can keep our traditions. And as we mature, but here's the thing. Good note. I don't think we have a problem with that. Good note. At the Sand Hill Church, I believe that almost everybody here is interested in what the Bible says. And we're not so much worried about what denomination or grandma or anybody else said it's what does the bible say and here's what i believe about you guys and i really hope i'm right but i believe this i believe this to be true since i am your pastor i believe that anytime i can show you guys what the bible says you guys will do it because i believe you guys want to do what the bible says but we can never allow man-made rules to override the bible and jesus had a lot to say about that we're not going to talk about that just put that in the back of your hat and remember it <clears throat> lastly this is a really, really important one. But lastly, let me give you this. We're still talking about how the signs of maturity, how you know you're mature. Do you recognize spiritual war warfare? This is tough. This is really tough. Because when... Brother Charles, I always pick on him. He's, when Brother Charles makes me mad, I don't realize it's the devil. I think it's Brother Charles. And I sit down in my office and I counsel and I say, it's not Brother Charles, it is the devil. Oh, no, Pastor, you don't understand. It is Brother Charles. It's not Brother Charles, it's the devil. And here's what I think a lot of you think. I am way too spiritual for the devil to trick me. I know it's Brother Charles. No. You need to recognize it's the spiritual warfare. 
Now, I say that kind of jokingly, and I, and, I, and I shared with you just a couple, I think it was last weekend, actually, but, but I have some really bad times. And, and my wife, but Terry talked about his wife in Sunday school, but my wife sometimes has to say, honey, listen, you're not thinking right. Straighten up. It's the devil. And can I just be real honest? Everybody look at Can I just be real honest? Sometimes I don't know that it's a devil. Sometimes I think it's you guys. Is anybody with me? How much would get resolved around here if you guys would all figure out that the person you're upset with is not the problem? The, the problem is the devil. Because you're so busy thinking, if Brother Charles would just come and apologize and tell me he was wrong, I would feel good. No, you wouldn't. The devil just beat you up over something else. It isn't the Brother Charles, it's the devil. But you can't see that. And so is it not a sign of maturity? I'm trying to do better by the help of Renee, but I'm trying to do better. But isn't it a sign of maturity when you can say, when you get up on Monday morning and you want to put your fist through the wall and you feel like never coming back to church again and you're mad as you can be at somebody, if you could just say, devil, we're not doing that today. We're not doing that today. We're not going to have that. But here's what a lot of you will do. It's not the devil. It's what Josh did. And I'm mad at Josh, and if he would straighten up, I'd be happy. No, you wouldn't be happy. We know you long enough to know you wouldn't be happy. you just get mad about something else. Is anybody with me? I'm trying to say if we would understand spiritual warfare and put the blame where it belongs, we could just get rid of it. Because here's what my guess is with most of you, and I'm guilty. If you get up in the morning and you recognize it's the devil, you'd be trying to get rid of the devil. If you think it's just that Brother Charles did you wrong, you don't even try to get rid of it. You want to hold on to it all day long. <laughs> Is anybody with me? <laughs> I'm done. All points are in. Paper's done. We're done. Let me just say this. Would you like to have a better 2022 than 2021? I can't brag on you guys enough. I think you guys are maturing. I think, I think all of you have done so drastically on, on changing these things. But can I just say this? We can do better. Your pastor can do better. I can look at that sheet and I can say, there's a lot of things in there I need to do better on. And then next year, I need to be a better leader and, a, and, and follow those lines better if we want to have a better 2022. And so do all of you. So my hat's off to what we've done this year. My hat's off to your maturity. My hat's off to, to how you have grown spiritually. Let's do better. We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we may together embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.